0: Hey, welcome to another edition of Talking Fußball, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I'm your host, Matt Herman, and this week, you know, we're just kind of holding on as best as we can. Bundesliga games. European games galore. A little bit of a specter of a brand new global COVID surge, putting all those games at risk. Of course, not to mention a colossal election here in my country that seems to take up so much real estate in so many minds. With me this week is a force for stability in these troubled <laughs> times. However, it's uh, it's Nick Vildhagen. How are you holding up, Nick?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm hoping for that blue wave on on Tuesday night to get us back home to to some some sanity. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to that vaccine, which is going to be distributed on a large scale in from April, according to the European Union. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm getting pretty fed up with my my COVID life, but I'm I'm holding up as best as I can. I hope you are too. Yep.
0: I am. I am. I, I. I'd like to see us turn a certain corner in the coming days. Hint, hint. Uh, and if you haven't voted, I voted on Friday. Well done. Now you. everyone can vote early if they want to. If you haven't voted yet, vote, 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 vote. And, uh, you know, if you can't vote, if you're not American, like, uh, like Nick, or, you know, I know many of our listeners, you know, get in touch with your American friends and tell them to vote. Anyway, uh, this week, we got to look at uh, a number of sides that we haven't had the chance to feature that much thus far this season. And we've also got uh, a couple of prize winners to announce. Isn't that fun? Terrific. All right, here comes part one of Talking Foosball, the part where we talk about the best of the match day just gone. This was match day six in the Bundesliga. And yes, yes, we know the big two in the league, yes, you know who, they retook their places at the head of the Bundesliga queue. FC Bayern München and Ballspielverein Borussia Dortmund are level on points at the top of the table. That didn't take long, did it? Uh, each one took on a struggling team away from home on match day six. Each one took care of business. We're going to address those games in due course, but I think there might be a little bit more meat on the bone if we talk about a few games featuring the teams in three, four, five, and six. And we will take it from the top. Of the not top uh, with a game that uh, featured, you know, two teams who are are top in their own way. They're both in the Champions League this year. But I thought it was quite a worthy top spiel of of being the the last uh, game on Saturday. Borussia Mönchengladbach. They have been making headlines for almost pulling off a couple of big wins in Europe over the last two weeks against Inter Milan and Real Madrid. Well, now they actually have a signature victory in the Bundesliga. They knocked RB Leipzig off their perch at the top of the league uh, after some early dominance, but no goals from RB. Gladbach got the only goal that they needed. That was from none other than Hannes Wolf, who is on loan from, you guessed it, Leipzig. Nick how important do you reckon this result was for the Foles?
1: It was a massive result in terms of them now being not that far away from uh, Leverkusen, who are one point ahead of them, and Leipzig, who are two points ahead of them. Because this Champions League race for for those coveted four places, it's probably going down to the wire, and uh, you know having to overcome uh, a gap towards the Champions League places that is four, five, six points would have been starting to be a big task even this early on in the season given that these teams rarely lose so for them it was an absolutely vital win it was also a win that uh, should give them a lot of confidence given that they were the dominant team in the second half Hannes wolf uh, as you mentioned on loan there from Leipzig adding insult to injury so it, it, uh, it was one of those games that they needed to win in order to stay in that race and hey uh, Gladbach have now played Dortmund. They've now played RB Leipzig. So they've, they've played two of the f- four big boys around them at the table and one win, one loss. Not too bad a result for Michael Rosa in his side.
0: Yeah, I, I've been, you know, pleasantly surprised by um, how sort of well they've taken on the challenge of playing, you know in the rhythm of, of Bundesliga champions league, Bundesliga champions league, now Bundesliga again. And they have come out the other side of that first stretch, um, which not everybody can handle pretty well. I I feel like, you know, there was a lot of talk before this season uh, about what a deep squad Leipzig have, and everyone knows that, that Dortmund and Bayern have fairly deep squads. I mean, Bayern maybe less so. They're, they're at least going into the transfer window, they were a bit pressed to get some new players in, but they, you know, got that done. And it was Gladbach that people were a little bit worried about in terms of, of depth and, and ability to rotate. But it's going fine, right? It's going terrifically well. And
1: uh, you, you mentioned the Champions League there. I mean, yes, they've been let down by the defending uh, towards the end of those two matches. But, uh, you know, 2-2 two, two draws against uh, Inter Milan and Real Madrid is, is a fairly good results. And uh, when we looked at those groups at the start of the season, we thought, well, Leipzig are going to have a tough ride. And Tlopo are looking the most likely to be you know either taking up a spot in the europa league or being eliminated from all international competitions before the winter break but hey they actually are in with a shout now and uh they have chucked coming up in midweek and uh, that match is probably going to be rather telling of where their journey is going to head uh, afterwards but uh, yeah additionally they have sort of had the chance to bring on bring in a few young youngsters into the Bundesliga side, like they did against the Mainz, and they they haven't dropped any points from that so far. Um, Marco Rosa has been able to you know uh, give some of his more important players uh, resting time on the bench every now and then. So yeah, so far so good. It's it's looking fairly well this early on in the season for Gladbach.
0: Yep. You just mentioned Marco Rosa there, and um, one of the storylines heading into this game, although maybe a little less heading out of this and results elsewhere in the league, was about um, <laughs> some some rumors coming out that um, Dortmund are, are giving him a hard look when it comes to uh, taking over, perhaps, for Lucien Favre at the end of the season. Favre, Favre's contract runs out at the end, and they have not yet decided to, to re-up on that. And, you know, Max Abril, the, the sporting director at as he mentioned, Gladbach was not exactly pleased. He's sort of called it like disrespectful and, and you know, like a sort of a grenzwertig in German. You say that, but it's like it's a bit over the line. Borderline. or Borderline. Yeah. I worry, however, that, you know, at, at a club like Gladbach, Um, where you are in a very nice position in terms of stability, in terms of finances compared to most of the league, you're still not even close to being in the same orbit as, as Dortmund or Bayern, heaven forbid. Is there a way for them, (laughs) for them to fend off? The interest of a team like Dortmund is that something is that a wor- is there a world in which they can convince him to stick around rather than to take up an opportunity like that.
1: <laughs> well, listen. Last season, there, there was that rumor about Niko Kovac being in line to to be the next Dortmund coach. He did that, didn't turn out to be true. The season before, uh, everybody was talking about Dortmund taking a hard and close look at Florian Korfeldt who now still is at Werder Bremen fighting relegation, most likely this season. Take those rumours this early on in the season with a little bit of grain of salt because they might not turn out to be true. If they are in fact true, it depends on Rosa. Does he want to develop this side? Is Gladbach going to afford him the opportunity to keep hold of the players that he wants to have at the club? Does he see a chance of, you know, maybe launching a surprise attack on these two top two teams in order to maybe win the league if a coach of his caliber sees that okay i i've done my best here but i can't take it any further in terms of career progression and in terms of what these guys who are fairly competitive people uh, want to achieve uh, he then would probably Take a really long and hard look at that offer and to decide. Well, maybe it's time to move a few miles uh, away from Gladbach and and start all over again at Dortmund. And that's just the reality of the business of football, I'm afraid.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. and it is as you say. It's it's just a short Regenarban ride away. Uh, it would not be a, a very difficult move for the guy. And then you know, as you say, the, the the season is long. It's a long time between now and whenever we conclude this season. I am not. F- Wholly convinced that uh, we might not be in for uh, an unexpected uh, break in the season, should uh, uh, public health things uh, take a turn. And to be fair, he's not the only one they're looking at. They're looking at uh, Jesse Marsh from from uh, RB Salzburg. They're also looking at Julian Nagelsmann. Who knows what position those two will be in at the end of the season. And speaking of uh, Julian Nagelsmann, he is the, the coach who, who lost this duel with uh, Marco Rosa. It was, a, you know, a narrow loss, but a loss nonetheless. Uh, a narrower loss for sure than what happened to them at midweek. <laughs> uh, Man United, a team who has really not set the Premier League alight this year. Basically, just battered RB Leipzig at least on the scoreline. I can't imagine that that this was <laughs> this was the bounce back game they were looking for uh, Leipzig. It, uh, another loss to you know uh, a direct competitor for for you know a top four spot. Yeah, yeah. Now
1: the the match against Paris Saint Germain is coming up midweek, so um, difficult times ahead indeed for Union Nagyssmon and. Uh, RB Leipzig. Well, I about that match against Man United, we have to say that United were brutally efficient in that match. Uh, the scoreline was probably a little bit too high, but nonetheless, uh, they outplayed Leipzig. And that might have come a bit of a surprise as United have really struggled so far this season. I, I mean, just as we record um, shortly before we started recording, they actually lost another match in the Premier League to um, Arsenal, who are, you know, yet another side who necessarily hasn't really been brilliant this season so i think for leipzig uh, if they want to progress from from the group they needed something against a side like man united because it's them they want to beat for that second place in their group because paris saint-germain is probably that far away from the other three teams that um they are going to go through and the the second place, the running for the second place is between Leipzig and Man United and being beaten by that big a scoreline doesn't bode well if it comes down to goal difference in the end.
0: Yep, yep. Uh, Losing away from home happens in the Champions League, but losing by a bunch of goals can really, really come back and bite you in the ass. And if you want to get back to the semi final you probably are going to have to turn the tables on man united when they come to leipzig anyway enough enough champions league talk let's talk about uh, another pretty intriguing match from the Bundesliga this week, and That was um, between uh, Freiburg and Leverkusen. There were lots and lots of fireworks in this game. It was a 4-2 finish. Uh, Leverkusen did bounce back from their own slumping performance uh, on Thursday in the Europa League uh, in Prague. This was a comeback win. Uh, Freiburg did take the lead pretty early in this game. What, the second or third minute or something like that? Uh, but uh, Lucas Alario double in the first half meant that they went up and never went back down in this Game. You know the, the the pharmaceuticals are up to fourth place now. A lot of us, I mean, maybe maybe me, maybe you, uh, cast some doubt on Leverkusen early in this season. Not only in preseason, but even in the opening weeks. When you know, after they sold uh, Kai Havertz and then didn't get that deal for Rashidza done, and, uh, you know, Patrick Schick was was having some trouble with injury. You know, where are the goals going to come? Are you going to be relying too much on, on Florian Viets, who's just a kid? But you know. <laughs> If this is the season where Lucas Alario finally becomes a consistent goal scorer, we're going to have to write a new narrative and it's going to look a lot better for Leverkusen. Indeed.
1: I mean, sometimes players need two or three years before they really start firing from all cylinders. And, uh, you know, especially guys from Latin America have sometimes found it difficult to adjust to life in in Germany or other European leagues. And,. Larry this season, uh, particularly in the last three matches, has been absolutely brilliant. Uh, two goals this week, two goals the previous week, a goal the week before that. Uh, yeah, he seems to be in the form of his life. And and that is why Leverkusen dished out quite a considerable mon- uh, sum of money back in the day. I think they bought him for 20, 25 million euros back then. And that is what they probably were hoping for when they invested all this money. Um, now, having said that, um, his, his scoring record uh, after the start of the season and in total isn't that bad because, you know, he was the sort of striker who would give you 10 to 15 goals per season uh, in the last previous season. But what Leverkusen not basically looking for is a guy who can give them 20, 25 goals. And if he can keep up that form, he might very well turn out to be that guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and really the refrain for Leverkusen in recent seasons has, you know, from from a lot of quarters, from, from Leverkusen fans and neutrals, has been that, you know, if they could get their hands on someone who could score 20 or 25 goals like they at one point in time had with Chicharito, you know, at least for a season, they could do a lot more in this league because they have tons and tons of, of talent sort of at the 10 at the 8 on the wings and have had for for a number of years but <laughs> that sort of you know elite goal scorer was missing i mean with all apologies to you know um, kevin Folland, who's who scored tons of goals in the bundesliga before exiting this summer he never quite got up to that level mm,
1: but so promising about Alari in the last few matches, though, is the fact that not only is he scoring the goals, he's also setting up his teammates. I mean, he's one of the the guys who has uh, the most assist for shots on goal uh, for Leverkusen this season, which, uh, you know, you 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 are looking for that all-around striker who can get into the box, who can finish off a move, but who also can play ball with the others. And, and that is what, you know, those eight, uh, number eight and number 10 players are relying on. And uh, right now he's turning out to be that guy for them. Uh, Additionally, uh, to to add a little bit more statistics into the mix, he's also had, I think, one shot kept out by either the post or the bar so far. So um, he really is firing from all cylinders. Um, And to finish off the the statistics match section of our show, he's actually contributed 14 shots so far this season. Five of which have been in goal, and that is actually quite a decent strike rate for a striker.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, you know you want you want your striker not only to, to to score but you want him to be active and he is active at the moment. A quick mention for a not very popular uh, player in the game of football who had a very good day on Sunday. Vava. His name is his name is Var. Uh, I've I've, I've I'm, there's no real word on on the first name. Uh, I guess maybe some people call him Va. V-A-R. He made a couple of really good decisions. One in the Leverkusen game. Leverkusen, you know, of course, went down a man early in their European match this week, which kind of scotched the game for them. And it very nearly happened again uh, on Sunday. I forget which bender. <laughs> One of the benders, you know, made a sort of rash challenge at the edge of the box and was uh, first going to be sent off. And then the referee uh, was, was you know, VAR whispered in his ear and uh, he had a look at the at the tape. And he, he, he turned it around. He turned it into a yellow card, which was, you know, the right decision, right?
1: Indeed. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's sort of uh, like... One, <laughs> it was Sven, Sven Bender, by the way. Sven Bender, by nice. the way. Okay. Um,
0: Even two minutes after it happened, I couldn't remember which one it was. <laughs>
1: it, was it was one of those Bender twins. Yeah, absolutely correct decision, though, because Topsober uh, was close enough to intervene in that given situation I mean uh, Freiburg player came rushing through I, I don't remember which Freiburg player I think
0: it, uh, it was Huller I think it was
1: Huller again yeah might might have been yeah. and uh, yeah uh, Bender took him down Sven Bender that is and um, that was 17-18 yards in front of goal and uh, caught, uh, Benjamin Cortes designed to send him off uh, then uh, Vaughn whispered into his ear and he took another look and made the right decision and uh only awarded a yellow card Uh, having said that uh, before the days of VAR um, this would have been a very crucial moment because at that point uh, Freiburg were leading 1-0 yeah
0: Lucas Herler had already scored one
1: yes so just if you think about that 1-0 up front one man more on the pitch for Freiburg Mm -hmm it might have been a very, very tough ask for Leverkusen to get back into that match. As it is, they're now still undefeated after six match days.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we might get to this other uh, VAR uh, decision later in the pod, but maybe not. Another another reversal, which was correct, in the uh, in the uh, uh, Hertha Wolfs board game. Um, so in my book, you know, Var, maybe he, that's his Brazilian name. Only one, only one name. Had a good day. Had a good day on Sunday. Enough, enough uh, stroking uh, the, the 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 video camera and and replay mechanism. Let's talk about um, a game which probably did not have a lot of eyeballs on it. Not only because these are two clubs that um, are coming from fairly small cities that don't have a ton of fans, but also because you know at least one of them. Is just putrid right now. Nobody wants to watch Mainz. We're talking about the game between Augsburg and Mainz. This is, you know, this is two clubs who have basically specialized in running themselves in a smart way, you know, getting the rest of the league to to look at them thinking, what are they doing right? You know, Augsburg's been in the league for 10 years now, and, and Mainz has been in the league for 12 years now, and, and they're so small. How are they doing it? Um, <laughs> this Narrative might change this year, Uh, for one, because uh, uh, Augsburg are really overachieving. They're up in sixth place now if they continue on this pace, which, you know, uh, obviously that's going to be a very difficult thing for them to do. They may well be writing a different narrative for themselves, one about, you know, actually playing elite football. Whereas Mainz, uh, (laughs) who lost 3-1 in Augsburg on Saturday, by the way, they are now stuck in rock bottom of the league. They have zero points. They are just getting shellacked, uh, again and again, Nick, I know this is a huge question and it's a multifaceted question and it's at least a two part question. Um, <laughs> where did Mainz, where did Mainz lose their way and, and, and where did it all start going so right for Alex Borg?
1: Well, if we're talking about the match and um, let's just start off with that. Um, sure. it, yeah. it, it was a fairly level-headed affair uh, with not an awful lot of chances um, going either way in, in the first half but then upstabbed Vargas uh, who um, hit home an overhead kick and scored from that I mean just to give you a quick picture of the goal it's just a long ball forward from the from the right wing of defense board is headed on by a Mainz player then an Augsburg player I think it's Iago, who shoots for goal from a pretty narrow angle it's really a hopeless position and uh, the ball gets blocked flies high up into the air and upstabs Ruben Vargas, who then gets that first goal uh, of the match from an overhead kick. Um, I mean, it must have been a hammer blow for Mainz at that point because so far in that match, none of the sides really had and uh, produced an awful lot of chances. And it, it it felt it felt like a balanced game, and then they concede a goal from such an unlikely source. Uh, I mean, when when are overhead kicks ever? scored in the Bundesliga it doesn't happen too often but sure they reacted well enough uh, Lichte uh, you have to give him credit for bringing off Mateta uh, who is their leading goalscorer but you know he brought on Oniviso Oni uh, who then got them the equalizer in the 58th minute but in the end once again Mainz were so sloppy in their defending and Andre Hahn was given loads and loads and loads of space to finish off a move in the 80th minute to give the, the Fuggestedte the 2-1 lead and after that, um, Mainz were a beaten team that didn't create anything of notice, and um, Augsburg just coolly finished off the counter-attack to make it 3-1. But to get to the second part of the question, generally speaking, where has it gone so wrong for Mainz and so right for Augsburg? Well, let's start with Mainz. I think having Achim Bayerlot at the club for as long as they had, and allowing him to start of the season was probably the wrong decision because as michael ebert the kicker journalist who we had on our show a few weeks ago explained most of the players were unhappy with uh, with by even last season and that was very well known to the club and they didn't act on that they you know even gave the guy the chance to uh, you know, start of the season, and, uh, you know, they, they sort of had that hopeful approach, like Schalke had with, uh, with, uh, David Wagner saying, well, I mean, let's see, maybe he's able to turn it around. Um, didn't happen. Then they had to act, and they only had his assistant ready uh, and his assistant hasn't really been able to manage to to turn things around so far additionally there has been a lot of internal squabbles within that squad and internal unrest with the whole Adam Sharlai saga that ended up with the players going on strike so, there's an awful lot wrong at the club, and, uh, there seems to be a divide between those people who are in charge and, and those players in the dressing room, and that's never a good recipe for success. Uh, Augsburg, on the other hand side, well, I think they have a good crop of players, like, you know, Vargas, Gregorich, um, You know, these guys, they're not really spectacular players, but in the end, they are the sort of players who get you results. Additionally, they always have these sort of wild card transfers of, you know, slightly older players who are still playing at a fairly high level, maybe not their best, but still fairly high level. And, you know, this season, they managed to get Daniel Caligiuri. And look at the start of the season he's had. He didn't play a leading role in this one, but, you know, generally speaking, uh, guys like him have usually meant that Augsburg, you know, lived to fight another day in the Bundesliga.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I just think that um, Augsburg have been a little bit cannier in both the transfer market and um, you know, making the decisions they have with with coaching changes. Um, Mainz, you know, it, it's very interesting to see it, it almost makes you appreciate what Mainz have done over the last 12 years even more because it shows you what a fine line there is, or, or what a fine line a club like that has to walk. That, you know, if you have a couple of windows that go wrong in the transfer market, and if you have a couple of coaches uh, in, in a row that don't work out, <laughs> you can find yourself in real trouble real fast. I mean, last year was a pretty unholy relegation fight, which they ended up winning. But I don't think that the trajectory of this year is, is any better. If, if anything, I think it's it's looking much worse
1: yeah and you know they they really haven't acted in the transfer window and um you know as as michael Ebert explained there there are really no resources at the club the club is struggling badly from that COVID 19 pandemic they don't have any money to spend they need to sell players in order to you know if they want to bring in some you know fresh ones and now they have to do that maybe in the the winter transfer window and that is probably never really good recipe for success either because you know, players are overvalued in that transfer window. And additionally, the players that move have sort of been struggling at their clubs so far this season. And that is always sort of like, you know, a wild card sort of situation. Additionally, um, you know, most players are able to read the table. And what sort of players are likely to say, okay, I, I joined the club that's rock bottom in the Bundesliga and is likely to go down. Probably not very good ones. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I can see, especially if you're a, a, a sort of, you know, a, a player who's been playing under a, a bad star for a little bit. Perhaps there, you've been out of, of favor, or out of form at your current club, and you're looking for uh, a club where you're likely to play a little bit more. Um, you know, a bad team or a team that you think might even be in the second division the next year. It could fit a few people's bills, but, you know, those are not, uh, those are not difference makers uh, by and large
1: no i mean the the best situation i can hope for is that they get good players who are just looking to for playing time ahead of you know the the upcoming euros and um who are willing to you know go down uh in in quality and you know to fight it out in in the in the relegation scrap fight uh just to get that playing time and maybe get them on loan uh because in that sort of scenario some some of these players know that okay if, if it doesn't work out i'm um, anyways going to move back to better sight once the summer comes around again
0: fair enough yeah well mites uh keep keep your eye on uh unsettled, disgruntled players at, at bigger clubs who, you <laughs> know, <laughs> have a certain type of ambition. That sounds great, doesn't it? Indeed. All right, let's leave uh, let's leave the, uh, the the first bit of this show aside and let's talk about our Patreon page. I'm very excited about it right now. I'm, I'm very excited about it, first of all, because I think, Nick Vildhagen, you have done so much uh, to make things happen on the Patreon page, and it is paying off. We want to take a moment to thank not only you, Nick but also, our listeners, you've been joining us like crazy on Patreon since the beginning of this season. No fewer than 20 of you have decided to pledge a little bit of money each month to help us produce this podcast, to help us produce all that great bonus content you've been seeing over there. A special shout-out to Marcio Gonzalves in Germany, who joined us at the Meister level this week. Thank you. You are our Meister of the week. It is people like you who make the podcast happen. You know, may your pledge be a role model for others to head over to patreon.com slash talking foosball. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I told you, Nick, you've been putting out so much stuff. It's sometimes it's even hard to keep track of what's happening. <laughs> what's, what's the latest? Our, our, our match day six. Historic match day moments, am I right about that? You know, what's what's on tap for this week? On
1: tap for match day six, historic match day moment is actually the biggest turnaround that the Bundesliga has ever seen. It's a team that was down, I think, by 4-0 and ended up winning their match. So um, that in itself has only been done once in Bundesliga history. And you have to go to patreon.com forward slash talking foosball to hear all which sides were involved in this epic match from dating back to the 70s. And to give you a little little uh, sort of teaser of what's coming up, we also have another historic match day moment involving Gerd Müller coming up next week. And there will be some written content about, you know, movies and matches, historic matches that you might want to take a closer look at. That is also coming up on our Patreon page.
0: Spectacular. Yeah, we, we did announce on last week's show that we're going to be putting together a custom Bundesliga memorabilia pack for a patron. If we got to 50 patrons. And uh, <laughs> boy, did y'all come through on that one. Not only did we get 50 patrons, uh, but we got up to 60. 60. So, first of all, Mr. 60, uh, the 60th patron, which is Ian Pritchard, you'll be getting your own pack. and, and, And here comes the winner of our Let's Get 50 contest. It is Ryan Dombrowski in Florida. Nice. Nice one, Ryan. Uh, We're going to be reaching out to you this week. We're going to figure out uh, what you need in your Bundesliga memorabilia life. You'll get your own swag pack, uh, courtesy of Nick Wildhagen. And since you seem to like the contest so well, everybody, we're going to do it again. Uh, Next prize draw comes when we hit 75 patrons. So uh, get pledging, folks. All right, here comes part two of Talking Foosball. Uh, this is the part where we talk about the rest of match day six. You know, I don't mean to say that it's the rest like it's, uh, you know, the, the rest of what's left over, because there's still a lot of good matches here and a lot of good teams, as you're about to hear. I guess where we might want to start off is just a brief mention that this is this match day six. It's not completely over yet. You know, we didn't want to wait until it was over, frankly. Um, so sorry to uh, fans of Hoffenheim and Union Berlin. You guys are going to get to watch your game on Monday. Uh, Hoffenheim, you know, they got a really nice 4-1 win away in Ghent, not Genk, and in the Europa League on Thursday, whereas uh, Union, they're, they're trying to get back to winning ways after a couple of draws in the Bundesliga against Freiburg and Schalke. Let's talk, however, about the two big, big biggies in the league. They both, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, got fairly workmanlike wins, let's just say. First up was was uh, Bayern and their win uh, over Cologne. They were in Cologne for that one. Uh, in fact, kicker's headline for this game was sieg," which means a workmanlike win. Thomas Müller PK and a goal in the first half stoppage time from Serge Gnabry. That was enough to hold off the Billy Goats who got a late goal. All right, Nick, first of all, are you a believer in the theory that, that, you know, perhaps Bayern's greatest strength is their consistency, their ability to avoid dropping points against the weak teams, like maybe another big club we know? (laughs) Yes,
1: I, I am a believer in that because, um, you know, even in those tough and scrappy matches where Bayern seemingly don't get out of first or second gear, they somehow always manage to, you know, get a goal from somewhere or get a penalty kick awarded. And um, yeah, that's what happened against Cologne, who put in probably the best performance of the season so far. But, you know, as the result will tell you, to too little avail, Cologne are still stuck on two points and they are in the drop zone.
0: Yeah, yeah. For, for what that's worth at the moment, Dortmund. They also got uh, got a, a pretty creditable win, a very patient win. In in most cases, it was, you know, they were, <laughs> they had seventy five percent of ball in in Bielefeld, <laughs> and they pretty much had to apply constant pressure on their opponents, who were not very interested in in doing much besides uh, sitting back and trying to, to catch them on the break. Um, it was Mats Hummels, oddly enough, who got a double in this game. Unusual Dortmund danger man, Nick. I, you know, I, I think it's got to be a great sign if, um, you know, you can get somebody who's not a big goal scorer to sort of be, you know, your guy in a game like this where, you know, it's kind of a, a grind, right?
1: It is. But, you know, what's really boding well from Dortmund is that when, when the, the other team is just parking the bus, they are somehow to able to to pull out, uh, you know, set pieces like they were against Zenit, like they were against Schalke the other week. Now they did it again on a corner kick from Mats Hummels, And Mats Hummels now up to three goals in, in one season. I, I don't think that has ha- happened for quite some time. Uh, Mats Hummels not really... Um, I mean, he's really, really good in the air. But his scoring stats, even though he's a defender, are surprisingly low.
0: Yep. Yep, and this was, uh, you know, getting getting two goals in one game is a good way to, uh, you know, pad those stats as a defender because two goals make a big difference uh, in the end for guys like that. Uh, but I think where we really want to go after these two, you know, games where basically it was two big, good teams against two, you know, teams who are let's let's face it struggling is the fact that these two guys are playing each other it's 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 you know uh let, let's say it once let's say it together der Klassiker uh, next week uh, sorry i i I said it. I can see the wince on your face, but it, it is the the international language of of big game in, in in Germany. They are the top spiel next weekend. This is probably going to be the most eyeballs on any uh Bundesliga game at least for for you know until the next one. Dortmund are at home in this one. Of course, home advantage doesn't mean maybe quite as much as it usually does, considering uh, all the, the, the restrictions on on stadium admission. Basically, everybody's playing Geist now. How do you see this one playing out at the moment?
1: <laughs> it's tough to tell. I think Bayern probably has, has a slight edge uh, given their performances so far this season. Um, but yeah, it's it's basically going to be a very narrow and very tight match. And uh, a lot is going to depend upon if Dortmund are finding a way to penetrate that Bayern defence and get Erling Haaland going. I mean, Erling Haaland, he um, had, did take a rest this weekend. So did Robert Lewandowski. So they have two rested strikers for the midweek Champions League and hopefully for the uh, Saturday night action, these two clubs. Um, but yeah, I, I think... Uh, it's a lot is going to come down whether or not uh, Jaden Sancho, Erling Haaland, canling up uh, the can penetrate that Bayern defense with their with a impeccable speed, and how Dortmund are going to defend because uh, if there's one thing that Bayern have shown time and time again uh, under Hansi Flick is that they are going to create at least two, three, four really big goal-scoring chances each match. And to stop them from doing that is going to be the main task that uh, Lucien Favre is going to ask of his players.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting constellation uh, with these two teams coming into the game, you know, absolutely level on points. I mean, Bayern are, are, are top of the league because of, of goal difference, but it is very tight between them. There's not so much of the, the storyline of, of either, you know, Bayern commanding the league or, or Dortmund with the, the cloud of, of, you know, choking, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> gathering around them as had, has happened a couple of times uh, in, in recent seasons. Also interesting that both of these teams are going to be coming directly off of Champions League matches away from home and against opponents that, you know, I think the temptation might be there for both of these teams to put out a changed side. Uh, in, in Bruges and in Salzburg I don't want to say that these two teams are, are, are chumps because they're not they're in the Champions League for a reason that they've, they've, they've gotten results uh, from in, in big games but the temptation might be there <laughs> for for the coaches to look at those opponents and think hmm do I want to beat them by three or four goals or do I want to save my powder for De Klassiker?"
1: I mean that though puts put Lucien Favre in a slightly more tricky spot because Bayern have six points from their two matches in the Champions League. If they get a draw, okay, fair enough. Uh, they have saved some some of, some of their firing power for the Clasico, which is going to be a much more important game within the league. And, you know, Fancy Flick and Bayern can probably live with a point midweek. Whilst Dortmund have already lost one of their two Champions League matches and they need every point they can get out of their midweek action so imagine the outcry if Lucien Favre decides well I'm not going to play Sancho I'm not going to play Haaland um, I'm I'm putting my trust into you know some of the other guys and lo and behold they lose and are stuck on three points after two matches no three matches in the Champions League that is not going to go down well. And, you know, we'll have another, you know, Thursday morning of headlines, uh, you know, highlighting that father is a rubbish coach.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and it's already uh, written in stone that he's going to be replaced by uh, Makar Wobza or Johan Nagelsmann or Jesse Marsh. Dot, 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 dot. What do you make of the fact that, um, Robert Lewandowski, who is basically um, (laughs) sort of a maniacal work rate guy, and he's he's obviously scored a lot of goals already this season—ten in just you know five matches. Bayern gave him the week off uh, against Cologne. Do you think that that's going to do very much for him in the long run? Do you do you see that as a you know that maybe NBA style load management is is coming to to the Bundesliga for for big stars like Lewandowski?
1: Well, it has to. we're trying to fit so many matches i mean not only is there you know the fact that we do have to play all these champions league matches now on a weekly basis not a bi-weekly basis like we used to additionally that the nations league the qualifier for you know the upcoming uh, world cup or european cup or whatever it is you you know you can't keep track of what tournament national teams are qualifying for at the moment but you know there are all these matches coming up and all these big guys are going to feature in most of them. And, you know, I know for a fact that Borussia Dortmund weren't too enthused about the fact that Erling Haaland had to play, uh, you know, extra time against Serbia during that uh, international, uh, that uh, qualifying uh, playoff final uh, for the uh, European championships. And, you know, all these guys are going to get an awful lot of minutes in their legs and um, playing competitive football at that level. Um, I mean most uh, most most sporting physicians are going to tell you it takes 3 or 4 days to to um you know uh, of uh low uh, tr- of a low training load to get back to your top shape and right now you don't need to be a math freak to see that the current schedule is not going to allow these players that i mean yogi love even spoke about the fact that some of his players were absolutely knackered in those two friendlies that happened before the start of the bundesliga season and when the national team says you know they're knackered and we haven't even started the season of course we have to do a lot of you know uh management in terms of what sort of playing time players are going to get throughout the course of the season
0: yeah i mean I, I grouse about international football, especially friendlies, um, every chance I get. But I really, man, under the circumstances where we have this compressed comp- competitive schedule and under the circumstances where, you know, international travel is is a, a riskier thing to do than not doing it, um, I, I just can't believe that, you know, major clubs in Europe um, <laughs> aren't pushing back harder i mean we don't need another international break we don't need nations league we don't need a lot of this stuff like please can we just be a slightly sane here and just press pause on this stuff like we've got enough games these players are are basically being put at needless risk
1: the only the only person i saw coming out against this was actually quite sensibly frank bauman who says that fifa and the uefa should you know reconsider their stances and you know that national associations should you know say well you know what we given the current situation we don't need it we don't need it right now and uh, I think he's absolutely right and you know rather tellingly Werder Bremen was uh, one of the clubs of you know I think actually the only club I saw that published a press statement in support of the current measures taken by the German government which basically has introduced a sort of lockdown light version which says that, uh, you know, no spectators, there's any sort of events. Nobody gets to go to pubs, restaurants, or cinemas anymore. The only thing that is staying open right now are schools, kindergartens, universities, and essential stores. So, um, you know, you can still get your groceries, but you cannot go to a football match. And given the current, uh, you know, caseload of COVID infections, I think that's a rather reasonable step to take. So did Bremen. But on the other hand side, you had guys like uh, Hans-Joachim Watzke who came out saying that this is an outrage. There are no confirmed COVID cases at Dalton matches. How dare you close this down? This is costing us an awful lot of money. Yeah, well... And, uh, (laughs) you you know, going by the fact that Bremen actually might be out of business at one point this season if they don't get spectators through the door, it's quite surprising it's coming from them that they are in support of these matches compared to Dortmund, who is not going to have a problem going on for two or three more years, given their bank balance, if things stay the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, whether you're uh, an international, um, you know, if you're a, a, a country's FA or if you're uh, Hans-Joachim Watzke, whoever is sort of <laughs> just trying to pump as many games into this uh, period, I think... I don't care who you are. You're going to get overtaken by events if things keep going in the way that they are. So, (sighs) oh, well. Rent over. (laughs) And speaking of oh, well, um, let's talk about uh, Hertha and Wolfsburg. Um, You know, Wolfsburg and and Hertha, they split the points. It was a 1-1 game. Uh, The Wolves are still unbeaten in the Bundesliga. Uh, Hertha still looking for their first home win. I'll say it, you know, Wolfsburg were somewhat the better side in the first half when when actually both of the goals were scored. But, man, Hertha, they dominated the second half, especially after Matteo Gendazi came in, who looked really, really good, very active. I was extremely frustrated watching this game, I have to say. They had, you know, two or three very, very good chances that they should have converted. They didn't convert any of them in the second half. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's 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 a crappy place to be for her because right now they, they you know they have good performance against Bayern and Leipzig and nothing to show for they've had sort of off weeks a couple of times and now they're suddenly down in the dumps and only two points ahead of you know Schalke and Köln and uh, yeah uh, things need to turn around quickly for them if they you know want to make the you know want to be in that conversation for international places like they have announced that they want to be uh i mean you have that investor Lars Vintos going around saying well champions league why not win it well maybe not that but uh, he said you know champions league why not be in it and uh, right now um you know uh a trip to Zhang pauli looks more likely than a trip to let's say the santiago bernabeu at this given stage, and and that certainly must be quite frustrating.
0: Yes, it's hugely frustrating, although I do have to say, and I'm not sure that this distinction has yet been uh, put out in in black and white, but I think it probably will if it hasn't. This is not a form krise. This is an ergebnis crise. That means it's not a form crisis, it's a results crisis. I mean, essentially... Herta, in terms of how they're playing, how the team is functioning, how the, the possession is working, how the chances are being created, everything's okay. Basically, they w- they would be a mid-table side if they weren't making so many stupid mistakes. I mean, the stupid mistakes, at, at least in this Wolfsburg game, I can't say are, are all that you know unforgivable. They're just basically missed chances. That's not you know that happens to strikers. That happens to anybody. The things that have really hurt uh, this season have been, you know, giving up penalties have been, you know, missed assignments on on uh, you know set pieces. I still think that you know the future for this for this team even in this season looks okay. I, I I've certainly you know written off uh, any serious challenge for Europe. I also just think that the 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 schedule has been pretty unforgiving. I mean, looking at who we've played so far, even the teams you know, perhaps ahead of the season that we thought we would have beaten, which is to say um, Bremen, who we did beat, and, you know, Stuttgart, who we didn't. Those t- those two teams have turned out to be pretty good. I mean, Stuttgart especially. But, like, you know, we've not gotten results against Bayern, against Leipzig, against uh, Eintracht, against Wolfsburg. And these are all good teams. So, you know... It's hard to get results against good teams.
1: Yeah, indeed. Uh, I mean, I, I've seen the match against Leipzig. I've seen the match against Bayern, and I, I thought that, you know, in the, the match against Bayern, it was it was a case of hurt. it simply being too too silly in defence to get something from from a match where they should have gotten something, maybe. Especially after they've pulled back that you know three three goal. I mean, that should have just been it. Shut up shop. Don't do anything stupid. Get the point. But yeah, uh, you know, I think um, what they've shown on the pitch shows that they can play an awful lot better than their current position is, you know... Impressing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's mention just for a moment, uh, Wolfsburg, who, you know, I remember we were chatting ahead of this, ahead of this, uh, podcast. And I was saying that, you know, since we're, we're rec- we happen to be recording not long at all after, uh, the conclusion of that game. And I said, you know, depending on how things turn out, I might either be uh, euphoric or uh, highly frustrated. I, I, I'd say I'm more mildly frustrated considering we drew rather than lost, but <laughs> you sort of poked back and said, you know, <laughs> you're not going to be much of anything, man man, because they're gonna, it, it, they're playing Wolfsburg. They're going to draw. <laughs> yes. yes, Wolfsburg are the draw merchants of the Bundesliga. They are one of the more disciplined teams in, in defense. They have something going there in terms of sort of heading off good chances before they even happen that I really think a lot of other teams can learn from. I mean, they don't necessarily set hearts alight, but man, are they hard to beat.
1: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> by Leverkusen found it difficult to beat them Hertha found it difficult to beat them so all, all all things considered yeah Wolfsburg have been tough to beat and um, but having said that uh, given that they have played you know not necessarily the best teams of the league so far I don't think they're that happy with uh, five draws and only one win and you know that leaves them on eight points and that's sort of they're caught in in the middle of nowhere really not really close to the champions league action and not all that far away from the relegation places yeah i i think they they probably would have hoped for more points from these matches
0: yeah for sure for sure and there there were some winnable games in there although if anything i really do think that that uh to were the closer to winning mm. uh, this game on, on, on Sunday. Let's talk about your team. Let's yes. talk about their 1-1 one, one draw. Hooray for draws. 1-1, one, 1-1. One, one, one. Uh, we had a, a goal from Josh Sargent for you guys and Andre Silva for the Eagles. That, that sort of canceled each other out. Uh, Bremen, I thought, maybe a little fortunate to stay level in this game. <laughs> uh, you know, Eintracht... A slight uh, XG advantage, only two point four nine to zero point seven three. Um, silver lining, though.
1: <laughs> Literally equal.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's almost the same. Um, good to see uh, Josh Sargent finally get off the mark. He he's now he got a, He got his start as a center forward. And he did the business. He
1: did, and you know we had uh, a deep dive with uh, with a Werder Journo uh, earlier this week with uh, Christoph Baer from Visa Career, and he said that he was really taking sort of a bleak outlook on this match because. Verda up front pretty much has been all Nicholas Philkrug this season, and if Nicholas Philkrug is your main man, your you know your biggest attacking weapon, not to be too unkind to Nicholas Philkrug, but you can read the stats for yourself. He's not really the sort of player who guarantees you twenty or twenty five goals per season. Well, he just gets hurt a lot. <laughs> he gets hurt, you know <laughs> that that comes on top of that, but um, you know that that in itself might tell you where Verda are heading this season, and it's not going to be the Champions League or the Europa League but you know the club has not made any sort of uh, announcements that they are going to try to get to Europe like they did last season all they really want to do is stay in the league with a really young team and um, the youngness or the youth of that team was showing when they conceded that goal because there was sort of like this um, uh, you know that chain of errors that started with John Manuel who gave up possession unnecessarily and you know, allowed Frankfurt to take possession, not that far away from the Bremen goal, and after that, Bremen players were just too far removed from from their counterparts and couldn't, you know, stop Silva from scoring a goal. Having said that, Werder, they do, you know, look decent enough in defense so far this season. They have not conceded that many goals, eight so far, compared to fourteen last season at this stage. So, um, yeah, um, I think v- Bremen might not necessarily be happy with the sort of way they are attacking. Uh, because if you add up their XG, they should have had two or three goals less, I think. And if you add up the counter XG, they should have conceded two or three goals more. But the fact that they are on 8 8, uh, zero in goal difference, and they, they are on, you know, nine points, it uh, goes to show that they have so far getting the most out of the little resources they have at hand. And uh, talking about Josh Sargent, fairly active game, ran a lot, had a lot of defending to do, was kicked around by the Frankfurt players quite a bit, um, really active. And yeah, he, he took that chance ever so well. And, uh, you know, he added to that one assist he's had so far this season, which uh, is great.
0: Yeah, yeah, goal scoring. Goal scorers need to score goals. That's what he hopes to be. Hurrah. Okay, finally, there is one more 1-1 to cover. That is uh, the Friday night match. It feels like ages ago now, although, you know, everyone's sense of time is a little loopy right now. Um, Schalke and VfB Stuttgart, um, you know, the Gelsenkircheners just went ahead pretty early in this game. And then just held on for dear life against uh Stuttgart, who, you know, they are quickly making a name for themselves for their fast-paced attacking football. They've got um, you know, got themselves up to what seventh in the table? Maybe that maybe that changed uh, uh you know, related to results, but I think that's where they are. But now it's 22 games and counting without a win for the Royal Blues. Didle-doo, <laughs>
1: Yeah, Stuttgart are still in seventh, uh, only one point behind uh, Augsburg in sixth. But yeah, I think um, Schalke really held, held on for dear life. And, and you know, as, as Stuttgart's American coach, uh, Matarazzo, isn't that his name, said after the match, um, that his team maybe wasn't clever enough to play out his their chances well enough in the second half to get that second goal. But they had the better chances and they probably should have uh, taken that 2-1 should have gotten that 2-1 goal and gone home the winners. Uh, as for Manuel Baum's side, it's not probably going to do much of anything to reinvigor them. And yeah, that losing or not winning streak, it goes on. That's now 22 matches, uh, which uh, puts a second in the eternal table of... Uh, longest losing or uh, not winning streaks in the bundesliga uh, the longest of which by the way is Tasmania berlin who didn't win for 31 matches so nine matches still to go if uh, schalke wants to equal that record but you know having said that if you'd ask me at the stage of this uh, at the start of the season or at any other given point do you think that this record is ever going to be matched my answer would have been no i don't think so and uh, right now I, I honestly honestly i can't cannot see it happening because i mean come on they have to find at least one win in the last next nine matches well
0: they're travelling to Mainz next weekend in what uh, rt rentat has dubbed el crapico <laughs> all right that is all for this edition of talking football which was produced as always by Aidan rantoul you know great doing podcast business with you again nick
1: pleasure to be back on and uh, yeah let's just remind our listeners of our brilliant patreon content uh, and the patreon competition if you haven't signed up to patreon just not yet do so immediately and you know one of you lucky bastards is going home with a Bundesliga swag bag when once we've reached Patreon number
0: 75. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can follow Nick at Normusings on Twitter. You, you can hear all of his content machine action over on Patreon, which he just mentioned. Uh, if you want to contact me, I'm at Mr. Matt Herman on Twitter. The pod is at Talking Foosball over there. Do subscribe to us uh, wherever you get your pods. Tell your friends about us, leave us a review. Vist some next, and y'all.